Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of January 19th. I'm your host, D-Swab, Derek Kessinger, joined by the future Hall of Famer, Todd Turner, Kevin Kovac, and Robert Holman, the editorial staff, as always. And guys, Votto just got over less than 48 hours ago. And Robert, you just got back from Votto. You drove all the way across country, 20-hour drive. You made it home this morning. A, I'm glad he made it home safely, and B, how tired are you, especially with three straight nights of racing out there in Votto? I am. Uh, I didn't expect to drive all the way back. We probably were going to stop somewhere on the way, but uh, we were. my brother and I were just talking, racing all night long, and next thing I know, we were like two or three hours from home, so we just we just kept on on rolling home, and uh, we got in about 7.30 this, uh, on this morning. We're actually, the morning that we have uh, recorded this, we got in about 7.30 on, on Tuesday, so I've had about two hours sleep as we get ready to roll in here, and uh, and uh, but I, yeah, I'm glad that I'm sitting at my own desk, uh, you know, here uh, at my in my house, uh, talking to you guys in, in a comfortable environment rather than out on the road somewhere. Yeah, we're glad you made it safely. I know you kind of look tired, but you're going to fight through this. You're the Iron Man, Robert. You got this, no doubt. You're always full of energy, so I got full confidence in you, buddy. Thank you. I, I, I'm glad someone does. Everyone else in my house, it is uh, was like 11 a.m. while we're doing this. Everybody else in my house still asleep. And by the way, uh, um, two of those three people who are still asleep did not go on the trip that I just made, but they're still asleep. But uh, let's get this thing rolling, okay? Let's talk some. Let's talk some uh, a Wild West shootout, and and uh, hey, and we got an eye towards Florida too, right? Yep. Todd Turner. Since we last had a show, we had four races in Vado, in New Mexico, and we were all, at the last episode, we were talking about Brain and Shepard this, Brain and Shepard that. Well, he didn't win any of the final four nights. Let's talk about that first finish, though, on Wednesday night with Garrett Alberson finally getting the win. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and I don't think he really cares how lucky he was to win that one. We had Mike Marler and Bobby Pierce get in, get together on the final corner. Bonkers. Heck, Ben Shelton didn't even know who won the race. He called the wrong winner, but Garrett Alverson gets his first win. There's talk about that exciting race we had last Wednesday. That was a great finish. I mean, and and the thing was, Alverson, it's not like he was right on them. You know, he had to he had to make up a little ground. Of course, they pretty much came to a stop when Pierce and Marler got together. Of course, Pierce kind of goes all the way around. Marler, you know, was able to kind of gather his car back in and and get his momentum up and head to the checkers, but not not with enough momentum to hold off Albertson right there at the line. I mean, it's a it's a classic finish, and I guess you know third place guys probably all the time who are are behind two guys who are battling are always like, man, if they would just get together, I could slip by, and it happens oh so rarely. Uh, but this time, um, you know, I'm sure Albertson when he when he saw that collision. Uh, he was uh, he was hoping he had his marks as good as he could, so he could uh, sweep around and win that race. It was it was quite a finish. It was, uh, um, you know, I, my my first reaction was Marler really went in there and was aggressive, you know, to to kind of uh, keep Pierce from getting by him. I mean, I mean, I could see, you know, it, it was a racing deal. On the last lap, neither guy's going to give an inch, right? But uh, uh, but Pierce. Pierce was kind of maybe forced a little lower by the lap traffic, so it didn't give him a lot of room to play with. But uh, uh, that's the kind of exciting finish you like. You have the happy winner, uh, and then you have the two guys who are kind of like hashing that out about whose fault it was uh, uh, for the collision that cost them the race. 
Yeah, I don't think GA cares because you got that big win in the lane of enchantment there at Votto. Finally get a big-time Wild West shootout win. And Kovac, some words afterwards with uh, Bobby Pierce and Mike Marler. They both had great interviews. Marler was kind of tame. They actually were both pretty tame. Your thoughts on those interviews afterwards? Yeah, they were, you know, I mean, they they told the story of what happened, I guess. I mean, you're going to have a little anger after a race is over, and uh, that just happened on the last lap. Uh, I mean, they were both going for the win, really, it was. And uh, everyone says uh, Bobby Pierce is so aggressive and everything. And, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, he, so I think that he knows, from what he said, he, his interviews afterwards are always, even then he's in controversial situations, he does handle himself pretty well. I mean, he's, he's usually pretty calm. He's accessible for the interview, doesn't uh, spout off and go crazy or anything uh, uh, when he's when – he's, uh, putting his opinion out. I mean, people might not agree with it, whatever, whatever he says, but that's, uh, that's the case with anybody. Uh, and that one was the same. I mean, he, he understood. It seemed like that, Hey, you know, if I'll, if I'm going to be aggressive, I got to take it too. I mean, of course, uh, Mike Marler wasn't happy. I guess the main thing seemed like Mike Marler wasn't happy about was getting flipped off. I guess it seemed like Bobby must have flipped him off, or the crew did, or something. But uh, so it didn't seem uh, Marler was a little angry about that. But at least there was no, you know, there was no rumble or anything. Don't need any of that stuff. And uh, and it seemed like after that there wasn't. An, I think they did race, you know, later in the week again, and and nobody seemed like they got in any problems. So. Uh, give it, give it a good grade. It was good, good. It got everything fired up a little bit. You need a little controversy every once in a while, but not the kind that's going to be, uh, you know, coming to blows, I guess. So, uh, it was, it was good to spice up the middle of the week. Yeah. Surprisingly, Bobby Pierce, that was maybe his only chance to win one. He did not pick up a victory those final three nights. Mike Marler did, however, he won Saturday and Sunday, including the finale. That was $25,000. And then obviously Tyler Herb, he won the Friday portion of the event. Robert, though. I mean, they made the announcement yesterday. They are going back to Vado, at least for 2023. But how could you not with that racing this past week? The racing was absolutely uh, incredible. And the the facility is absolutely incredible. I'm glad to see them go back at least one more time and give it another chance. Obviously, they're a little disappointed with the, the, the not necessarily the car count, but with the, uh, with the, the fans. And I think that they learned uh, quite a bit. And I'm not saying they're going to do a ton of stuff differently this time around, next time, whatever. But uh, I do think that they will try to attract uh, more people and try to get out and, and see see different people to try to get uh, more people in the stands. Because like everyone said, every social media, you know, the drivers you talk to, the racing has been fantastic. Um, you know, and people and people enjoy it. And, and with, I don't think you realize the reach of of the stream that we that we flow does until you are ten hours away, say from the racetrack, wee hours of the morning, filling up your your truck at a truck stop, and my brother comes back out from the truck stop and says, "Hey, I just saw a guy in there, a trucker who was at the races. We're ten hours from we're ten hours from there, and." He says that he saw my brother's sweatshirt and he says, Hey, y'all been in the Wild West shootout? You know, my brother says, Yes. And he and he says, Yeah, I couldn't go the other night because they sent me to I wound up having to go to Denver or somewhere like that, you know, or Colorado or somewhere. And so uh, but I was able to come back by and go to the race. He went to that race that night, you know, and so uh <clears throat> people 
people enjoy that race. I know that's like, well, who cares? Some random trucker went to the races. Well, it's right on the interstate. It's accessible. Uh, it's accessible to a lot of people. I don't care if, if you know, Phoenix is a, a population of 1.2 million. Uh, Las, Las Cruces there, I think, has um, about 100 and something thousand. I think uh, El Paso has about 700,000. Between those two, 800,000 people, we can get a couple thousand in there if we work hard. So I'm glad to see them going back to that place because like everyone has said, even a trucker 10 hours away at a truck stop randomly, great, great racing. You know, so when you, when you, I mean, I just think that, you know, and he, and this guy's like, Hey, when I'm, when I'm not able to go to a race, I'll listen to it. So he's going down the road. You might not be able to watch it. But he's listening to it. So, so it's great to know that there are all kinds of people out there that understood how great this race was, even if they couldn't attend it. So maybe next year they'll have a chance to attend it. I mean, it's uh it's, I'm glad to see them give it a second chance. It's a great, great facility uh, that uh, that produced great racing. You know, everyone's excited about going back there, I think. Did you uh, share a truck stop hot dog or nachos with the guy there? I know you met him at a truck stop, and that seemed like that's the only thing you can eat like night at a gas station. No. <clears throat> it's, it's really strange that I was coming – we were coming across Texas, and, and we came in this, uh, this one store, and uh, my daughter came out of there, and she's like, uh, selection was kind of slim in there. You know, I wanted to get something, you know, for later on down the road. And, and it, sometimes there wasn't, you know, and it was, uh, it was, it was really kind of strange. Uh, but no, we didn't share any, any uh, truck stop dogs. Uh, I did get some tornadoes at a track that were, I mean, at a, at a truck stop that were ice cold that I had to go in and take back and return because I took one bite. I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, you don't want a tornado at 3 a.m. that's ice cold is not, is just not good. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of truck stop food over the last 20 hours for me, for sure. Uh, you know, but the, Oh, speaking of food, the food at Vado delicious and the variety. I mean, they had a ton of variety. It's, I can't say anything bad about the place except for like the, the one complaint that everybody has is it was, it was windy a couple nights and it was really cold. You know, you're in the high plains elevations up, uh, it was chilly. So as far as complaints, that's about the biggest complaint for me is it was cold. And that's the one thing no one can can do is predict Mother Nature. We can't control, you know, Mother Nature's thermostat. So, uh, but other than that, that place is immaculate. I loved it. Yeah, and another good thing about it being there next year as well is they upped the purse a little bit. I think the first five nights are $10,000 a win, bumped up from five, which it was this year. And then the finale sold $25,000 a win. Todd, though, Mike Marler went in the final two, including that big uh, big finale, 25 grand. He's kind of uh, headed into maybe Speed Weeks with a little momentum. Um, yeah, I'm, the, I'm not sure how much he's going to race down there. Mike, Mike's a little hard to, hard to uh, pinpoint on his schedule sometimes, but he does love to travel. Like I know when he did the World of Outlaws and won that championship a couple of years ago. They, they do a great job of going and seeing different parts of the country and enjoying it. And I'm sure that's one reason why he enjoyed the trip to New Mexico. And he certainly enjoyed it because he, he won a lot of money there. I mean, uh, uh, he was certainly uh, spot on those last couple of races. So um, it'll be good to see that, uh, as you mentioned, the 10,000 wins for the other races. Uh, we've talked about, you know, quite a bit about, uh, especially in 2022, so many more bigger races and kind of the elevation of purses generally. Uh, it kind of leaves those 5,000 to win races here and there uh, looking uh, 
Uh, now everybody's going to take five thousand dollars, but those races don't demand the uh, attention they did before. Uh, so for the Wild West Shootout to upgrade those and to have uh, now when you go to one track and you're a team and you sit at one place and now you got a lot more money to shoot for when you get the those ten thousand to wins along with that twenty five thousand uh, finale. So that's uh, that should be attractive uh, for uh, guys going back to Fado next year. Uh, and then uh, apparently as they go to back to back to the Phoenix area uh, the year following that as they uh, hope to hope to move the series back uh, back to that state. Robert thought. Sure. One thing, you know, like Todd said, supposedly back to another state the following year. So one thing that should be attractive to people is, hey, if I'm going to go to the Wild West shootout at Votto, I need to do it next year. Uh, If I want to race in the state of New Mexico for a lot of money for over a long stretch of time, I need to do it next year. So I'm not saying that the the Wild West shootout will never come back to Votto, but who knows? You know, take advantage of it. Take advantage of the trip. And uh, this coming week, I'll be having, you know, spoiler alert, my blog is going to be about uh, things to do in that area. Um, for anyone who says there's nothing to do in that area, uh, man, you're mistaken. That's uh, that's uh, That area is rich with things to do. Uh, and so uh, so anyway, there's there's things to do out there. Get your race car together. You've got a year. Uh, get ready, save some money, and make that trip. If you're a race car driver to to uh, to that racetrack for a week, you will not regret it. I propose we just move Auto Speedway as a whole to Phoenix, and then it'll be the perfect scenario. Great racetrack, great dirt. They did phenomenal track prep all week long, and the features were on point every single night. Kovac, final thoughts of the Wild West Shootout. Any uh, notes or nuggets you picked up there the final three nights? I know Jake Tim, he had a good run that final, that fi- final night. Came just short there with the late caution, but all in all, the racing was great. Earl Pearson Jr. had some good runs, didn't get a win, but he was kind of, you know, running that middle bottom like he always does that we've seen in the past. He had a good runs there as well. That Jake Tim, what a show he put on there. I mean, he came within 10 laps of pulling off his, uh, you know, the first, the biggest win of his pretty, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a really upstart in the late mile division. He's been running, uh, you know, modifieds for a while and, uh, he was breaking into the late models and man, he, uh, he remember he we talked about him earlier, you know, before the as a little preview of the of the Wild West shootout as possibly a dark horse. I mean, he was coming down there with that new uh, uh, Longhorn car that he got, and he got a fifth that first weekend, kind of a quiet fifth. He, you know, it wasn't like in the mix for a win or anything. And then he just kind of bumped around, didn't have really any standout runs. And then that last night, man, he gets the pole and he pulls out there, and and like Mike Marler said, he really didn't have much for him. Uh, until that caution came out and that kind of uh, opened the door for him. Maybe, uh, maybe Jake didn't have quite the experience for a restart with a guy like Marler behind him, and and he was and he got him. I mean, but Jake Timmy, he gets passed by Mike Marler and Earl Pearson Jr. I mean, those are that's a little bit of experience that got him towards there at the end. But uh, and that's it's a race again when everybody's watching uh, those those Wild West shootouts. If you uh, if you make a make a statement like that and and run up front, people are going to know your name more than if you did it in a weekend when a whole bunch of stuff's going on. So I think more people know who Jake Tim is now, and uh, they're going to keep an eye on him. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, if he you know, maybe gets a gets a bigger win somewhere in his area this year because that was a that was pretty good. And 
Uh, and just as far as the the racetrack again, like we're, I mentioned again, I mean, I love that racing too. That racing was was phenomenal all week. Uh, you know, shout out to Falls uh, Fairbury's uh, track prep guy Chad Ballman. He was out there doing it, and I made it. I I think I mentioned in in uh, in our fast talk, it kind of got a little fallsy out there, you know, with all the racing, good racing going on with those sliders and guys still right up on the cushion and and you know teetering on the edge of disaster a lot of laps when they ran that cushion. So. Uh, it was uh, the conditions you kind of want to see. It wasn't hard on stuff, too. I mean, I didn't really see guys breaking down or anything. Barely any cautions in the features, really, other than uh, a few tangles here and there. Uh, so good racing. Just would like – you hope to get more people at it. I mean, I know it's it's a little tougher, obviously, with the, in New Mexico. You have more factors against you to, uh, than Arizona. Um, you know, with the – I mean, being – in January in New Mexico is a little different than Jan. You can't get a little colder than Arizona. And, and I think one other thing, I just kind of just thought of it, but um, you know, in Arizona, there's a lot of retirees from like out in the, the Midwest, in the Northeast, you know, we're dirt track people that go out there. Same thing was with Florida. I think that helps pad the, the crowds a little bit in Arizona races and in, uh, uh, and in Florida all the time. I, mean, I always bump into people in both, in both during speed weeks and, and during the wild west shooting in arizona that are like hey, i moved down here god i gotta get to the races i mean you know they they never get to see dirt you know the, the big guys come in and race very often so that helps a little bit i'm not saying that it, it doesn't make that it doesn't count for thousands of people but i mean arizona the arizona speedway didn't have a they didn't have jam crowds either but it was enough to really make it better uh i mean it was still much more it looked like than in New Mexico. So hopefully you know, next year, you know, get it a little bit, maybe people will be a little bit uh, more uh, used to the race being out there and, and we'll get better, better crowds for 2023. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it with the increased payouts. Chris Kearns, they're doing a great job there paying more and more. And also Kovac, thanks for the fallsy uh, shout out there. Usually I'd be the only one saying it, but uh, you're the first one in today's episode to use it. But the wild west shootout, 2022 edition is in the rear view mirror and guys four days since the checkered flag dropped we're headed to Volusia tomorrow me and Todd Turner from Louisville headed to Volusia 1.0 to kick off speed weeks Todd you've been covering uh Florida Georgia for a long long time I mean, how crazy is it that we're starting this early already <laughs> I know we did it last year but it just seems like we're starting earlier and earlier every year out there yeah, it's a it's a different than it used to be. And you know, you look back at our history pages and the see the speed week schedules. It's kind of uh, shifted around, and I know uh, especially the last part of it is kind of connected to whenever the Daytona 500 is held. So sometimes they've had uh, moved that uh, race, and that's kind of affected our schedule. Um, I guess there's some, and sure, surely there's some people who say, hey, this first week in Volusia, it's not really speed weeks. And I guess you could argue that, but 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 here we are Thursday, uh, the Thursday after that, they'll be racing uh, at Golden Isles, which is clearly going to be part of Georgia's Florida Speed Week. So it's, it's hard to argue just because uh, there's a few days off in between uh, that uh, it's not really Speed Week. I mean, we're all down there in Florida and anybody going down there, uh, uh, those guys racing and that, they have a lot of racing ahead of them uh, starting with this uh this first weekend of Volusia. So, and it's an interesting time, you know, cause now the world of outlaws, you know, you get started. If you're going to commit to that series, you're going to be down there. So it, it certainly draws a lot of guys. And we've all talked about how uh, speed weeks this year may be more, more noteworthy. And as guys try to figure out what series they're going to run or where they're really going to uh, 
uh, put most of their focus. Uh, so we'll get to by, by Thursday night when uh, all those guys sign in, we'll find out a lot about uh, uh, not just that rookie class that they've got, but uh, some of the other guys that are committing to the world of outlaws uh, starting this weekend at the Sun, Sunshine Nationals. Yeah, late model Palooza at Volusia this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, kicking off tomorrow. And Robert, we got guys like Brandon Shepard, Brian Shirley, Kyle Bronson. They'll be more than likely going to enter every single Speed Weeks race. I don't think you'll see nearly as many Lucas Oil guys converting over. But, like Todd says, there's a chance for guys to pick and choose what series they may run. I think it's very huge to, for the World of Outlaws to kick it this week, and they're not overlapping like they used to four or five years ago with, you know, uh, up in Georgia when they were racing against each other against East Bay at Screven. So I think it's very important in late model world that they're not overlapping. Do you agree with that? Uh, well, I definitely agree, but I also look at this and I'll probably get thrown, uh, <laughs> probably get lynched for saying this, but I, I kind of look at like this first three days of racing down at uh, Volusia is a penalty for these guys who are going to follow that series. You know, and don't get me wrong, I love the World Outlaws. I have I have no favorites when it comes to which series we cover, which series I have no favorites at all. But I also I look at that, oh my God, you gotta we gotta go down there. I felt sorry for you know Brandon Shepard being out in Vado and I, I assume he hopped on a plane, I don't know, uh, and took off, you know, while his family car is all crumpled and banged up and heading back towards Illinois. And I, I did notice on Facebook that the Rocket One house car was already in Florida. So I assume that uh, that Sheppy jumped on a plane. I might be wrong. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of look at those first three nights as like, oh, we got to go down here because we're going to run for points, so we got to be there. So I kind of look at it like as a, a penalty almost for, um, for guys who are determined to follow the world of outlaws. Uh, you're going to follow us, so – Make sure you clear your schedule for a solid week early. Uh, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. And uh, I agree and disagree with Todd in that it's the beginning and not the beginning of Speed Weeks. It's, it's, you can't argue that it's not the beginning of Speed Weeks or it is. I mean, it is the beginning. It's just not the traditional beginning that we're used to. Ten years down the road, if this can ha continues to happen, we won't be having this conversation it'll be the beginning of Speed Weeks, hands down. But right now, it's not the traditional beginning of Speed Weeks that we're used to, so we're kind of like, people are kind of, myself included, kind of push against it. But if it if they continue to do that, one thing I do like about it, I'm not 100% sure, but I think this might be the only time that they have crates down there at Volusia during their Speed Weeks, uh, during, during you know all the, the Speed Weeks. So it really gives a guy, guys like, like myself, my brother, people who wouldn't have a chance to race there because we don't have as much backing or, or motor or whatever, if they really want to go to Volusia, it gives guys like that an opportunity. You know, we're on our way back home from Vado, and I said, I, you know, I really wish we were loaded up and headed. To, see, there I go. I really wish we were loaded up and headed to Florida. How stupid is that for a racer, right? You know, you spend – Spend spend a week in the desert, haven't even got home yet. You're driving cross country. You look over at the person you're riding with. You say, you know, I really wish we were loaded up and heading to Florida right now. So so yeah, I mean, I, I see the I see the call. I see the I see how people want to go do it. You know, but uh, but I like the fact that they have crates down there. That it gives guys who you who wouldn't otherwise have a chance to race at Volusia uh, during Speed Weeks uh, an opportunity. So I, I like that part of it for sure. Yeah, and I think maybe like one strong suit of starting 
the World of Outlaws campaign as those rookie contenders because I think two years ago we had a whole bunch of rookies and they had to use emergency provisionals because they were all at Volusia, which would not be 2.0, the natural date is. So they all had to use their emergency provisionals. This year I think you're not going to get as many of the heavy hitters of the Lucas Oil guys staying for the second one. You're going to have them waiting until go to Golden Isles and maybe some other guys coming down from the north to race the traditional speed week. So I think it helps out the guys like Gordy Gundaker and Tanner English and Max Blair, you know, try to get up in the points there where they're not using emergency provisionals. But, Kovac, you've been going to Volusia for a long time. You've been playing football in the parking lot with T-Mac. You love that place. How hard is it for a rookie guys like, you know, Kyle Hammers of the world to go to Volusia, this world, this huge half mile? They say it's the world's fastest half mile. And they're just whizzing around. I think is that a daunting thing for these rookie guys? Oh yeah, I mean that that's always the the big challenge for any rookies that are gonna the planning to go out there with the World of Outlaws where they start. I mean it's not like they're starting at three or four different racetracks and you go like you're you're going the one track which is a track that all the top guy the Brandon Shepherds and and everyone have run many many times over the last decade or plus years. And they have a lot of experience on that place. And here you are coming in and trying to run for rookie of the year. And I mean, you're, you're at a big disadvantage all, all right off the bat, no matter. Plus you got a lot of cars, you got everybody all ready to go at the beginning of the season. I mean, it, it's a, it presents a real big challenge just for those guys to get in. I mean, when some of the rookie years, when guys have run, you, you, you they stand out just when they could make the show, uh, most of the shows without having to use those emergency provisionals, which they started giving out. I mean, there, there were years before where you didn't even get, you come down there, you don't even, you, you know, you, most of the guys don't even make the shows because they don't, they weren't given those emergency provisionals uh, uh, just didn't for like year, signing up. Didn't one year yeah. they used like eight or nine in one race, didn't they? For the emergency oh God, there's like <laughs> How many on our race wire uh, orders the finish? I think, what do we have, 34 cars on there, Todd, or something like that, or 36? I mean, I think we were pushing the uh, amount of cars we would even fit there on the results uh, because they have so many provisionals. It, it, it is kind of weird, you know. I mean, I'm not like a, a big fan. You want to help these guys. You want them to go and run the series. And if they don't make features down in Florida, they might not want to go the rest of the year. You know, I mean, I don't think they're going down there expecting to be contending for a championship. But if they don't even make any races and they're not even in the rookie of the year battle a, a lot of times. So uh, they're way behind in that. It, it, it just it's a kind of a weird situation where like you, you there's so many good cars down there and the guys that uh, that are, are new to the tour. Uh, they, they, they fade. They're, they're facing an uphill climb right off the bat. Yeah, but I'm very excited to head down to Florida. I just feel like it's just that time of year. been going down there. This will be my 10th Speed Week, so I'm just so used to going down there. It's always exciting. It's always a great time. I think that one year, like the first 13 races, we had 13 different winners, so it's kind of an open playing field, and it seems like guys make some noise at Speed Weeks, and maybe the rest of the year they struggle, or they struggle at Speed Weeks, and then they have a phenomenal year. So it's always uh, interesting when you're down to Speed Weeks. But let's talk about a little bit of storylines this upcoming weekend. I might do like little quick hitters for all three of you, and I'll go with Todd Turner first. Todd, is there anybody that will stop Brandon Shepard from getting his uh, you know, fourth straight championship? I know it's going to be a tall task for some of these race teams, that team's always dialed in, but I don't think anybody's ever won four in a row in the world of outlaws. So is anybody going to be able to stop the Rocket One team? 
I mean, he's clearly the odds-on favorite. And I guess, you know, you look to Madden and you look to, I don't know, though, but outside Madden, there's nobody that jumps out at me. You know, you kind of, I guess, hope somebody gets a good start or somebody gets rolling. Maybe we have a newcomer uh, to the series that we don't expect who could uh, could uh, threaten uh, Shepard's uh, uh, reign. But, but I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of as we say all the time, until he's beaten or until he's behind or – or somebody's really got an edge on him, you know, he, he's the guy to beat. That Rocket team is just so, so solid. You know, we talked about last year, you know, we kind of bemoan, oh, the, not a very good season. But but they're not very good season. It's still superior to almost everybody else's. So, um, you know, you, you certainly got to catch him when he's down. That's one thing that, uh, that folks didn't do last season was when Shepard was struggling the most, nobody got out there and built a lead on him or nobody really got rolling. And that's what you kind of have to do because it's partly mental too. You know, if you if you build some confidence uh, and you can look at the points and see you're ahead of Shepard uh, or Shepard and them guys feel a little more pressure because they're behind, maybe that could make a difference. But uh, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, Shepard gets a chance to get going at a track he's he's very good at. So uh, uh, this is a chance for those guys to uh, to make their mark and to uh, you know try to deny Shepard uh, that early lead. Yeah, I agree with you, Todd. I feel like last year those drivers missed their uh, window of opportunity to kind of take it to Sheppy and get the big win, and I still think he ended up winning by a whole ton of points. So even a mediocre year, Sheppy's going to be very hard to beat. But, Robert, we got right now we have six confirmed Rookie of the Years. Obviously, if you're handicapping it, Max Blair is the favorite. But can the guys like Tanner Englishes and Gordy Gundakers of the world, can they maybe make some noise and – maybe dethrone the favor for the Rookie of the Year in Max Blair. Well, first of all, I would give these rookies some advice while they're packing to go to, to Speed Weeks and to Volusia. While you are loading up your truck, you need to make sure you have a shovel or two because you will, unless you have a great, great week, you will undoubtedly be in a deep hole when you leave Speed Weeks. It's just the nature of the beast. There, like has already been mentioned today, there are so many good guys, and it is so tough to start the season at basically the Super Bowl, you know, of racing. You're starting it down there with when everyone is there. So you cannot get discouraged. You have to go down there with a shovel, prepared to Dig your way out of a hole. Keep that shovel in your truck all year long because you're going to be digging. And if you are prepared, if you have the wherewithal to continue to think in the mindset, hey, it's just three races. These three races count the same amount of points as these three races in July. It's the exact same situation. And in July, though, we're going to be racing against 23 guys, not 43 guys. So if you if you can have that mindset, then you can come out of speed weeks and you can maybe have a leg up on your competitor and that, and that you understand that it's a long process. You understand that it's a long season. Uh, so if a guy goes down there like that and he sees someone like Max Blair have a great week, he can't leave there discouraged. You can't leave there thinking, Oh man, Max is Max is third in points. And here I am back here in 13th right now. We're never going to catch him. Let's just go back home and run regional again. You can't do that if you're gonna if you're gonna really challenge these guys. Uh, I do think that there are some some people who are capable of of you know running with Max Blair. Max Blair, 
uh, is very hit and miss. If you, I mean, he's a guy who puts up 30 wins a year, but they're all in the, you know, in that region, Pennsylvania, where he's really comfortable in a, in a variety of different uh, cars, different motor combinations, you know. So he's kind of hit and miss at some of these bigger shows. He, he has a capability, clearly, to run with these guys. He has a capability. Max Blair is, is good enough to go to Speed Weeks this year and win two races. He, that, that team's good enough. He's good enough. But he's also, uh, at the same time, sometimes, you know, he doesn't have the confidence that he even should have down there. And uh, he could go down there and, and not have a good, a good week which would open the door for some of these other guys. So I definitely think that uh, uh, what I like about it is the names that have been mentioned, the names that have been thrown out. It's a good variety of people who can be competitive, not only with each other, but can also contend for wins. I like the fact that these, in certain races, that these guys can contend for victories. And if you're a rookie who can contend for victories, maybe you don't need that shovel quite as much as I think you would. You know, so that's what I like about about this group is that uh, is that they can contend for wins. And yes, I do think a couple of these guys will be able to run with Max Blair. I don't think Max Blair six months from now we might be having this show, and you can look back and say, Robert, remember when you said this? You're stupid. And I might say, well, well, I just completely missed it. But uh, I do think these guys are capable of running with Max Blair for sure. Seems like no one's really talking about Tanner English. He's had a great last couple of years. Let's see if maybe he can compete with that a little bit. I would probably rate him as the second favorite for the rookie of the year behind Max Blair, just because Max has won World Valor races and been racing now. A lot of those races are in his backyard, and he's been to the tracks there before. But, Kovac, your uh, question is, can Josh Richards get back to Josh Richards? He's back on the World of Outlaw Tour, running with your boy, boom. Can he get back to vintage form a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, when you talk about a guy that could challenge, potentially challenge Brandon Shepard for the title, I, I'd have to say Josh Richards because he's got the experience that could do it. I mean, he's won four World of Outlaws championships and he's won a Lucas Oil championship and he's the all-time winner with the World of Outlaws. Uh, just barely right now over Shepard now, but now maybe he can hopefully stay up there if, if he, if he, since he's running back with the series, uh, back with the Outlaws where he all started. Uh the thing is, I mean, he has the experience to do it. He has the talent, obviously, but uh, with a new team, well, they're still putting everything together. It's a and it's a two car team, two driver team. So uh, the resources, um, I mean, it's everything's not pointed right towards him like it is with Brandon Shepard. Uh, but Josh, if if he gets rolling, I mean, he gets comfortable. I mean, I, he looked the, the the Josh Richards I saw at Las Vegas for the duel in the desert back in November when he drove uh, Boom's car. I mean, that Josh Richards could could challenge for the title. I mean, could give Brandon Shepard a good run if he gets the consistency for the whole year. I mean, uh, back in when Josh was – before Brandon Shepard was in that Rocket House car, Josh was doing the same kind of stuff, you know, always qualifying always qualifying well, always getting making the features through the heat races. Uh, not having to go through B main. So that put him up there all the time up in contention right off the bat. And um, I think that if he can uh, get that consistency and, and comfort level with, with boom, I think he, you might, might, might be able to see, uh, see the old Josh that runs up wins. I mean, he hasn't run up wins in a while since the rocket house car days, maybe best performance his first year with them when he won the Lucas championship, he did, uh, you know, he had a much better season than he had the last few years, but, I think that Josh, uh, I mean, that, that's the guy I'll 
I'm going to be watching the most this year to, to see what he can see, how he stacks up and is able to stay with uh, if he's able to stay with Brandon Shepard. Yeah, late model racing is always more fun, in my opinion, and more exciting when Josh Richards is running up front, especially in those days in the Rocket One car. Obviously, you won a championship in the Lucas with the best car, so he has the capability, no doubt, to compete with Brandon Shepard. And uh, it was be very exciting. And B, he has no pressure. He ain't driving for a NASCAR guy. He ain't driving for his dad. He's driving for Boom. No pressure the mayor, right? He's, he's going to go out there and put on a show, and Boom's going to pat him on the back no matter what he does. So, be very I, I just don't know. Like, Derek, I'm not sure if, like, by the end of the year, will Josh be smoking cigarettes and, uh, you know, well, and having a – yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll work that way, right? Maybe it'll work that way. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see Josh, Josh, you know, being a cigarette smoker and uh, having bush light in his hand immediately after the race is over. But uh, maybe, uh, maybe they'll they'll bridge the gap and have a bud light. I mean, a bush light and, and no smoking though. Yeah, I mean, I would take that. Boom needs to quit smoking. I told him that <laughs> several times, but he's very excited. I talked to him last week. He thinks Josh is a good fit for that race team. They got. Some parts dialed in, and crew guys going to help out. So I think it'll be a I think it'll be a good successful uh, partnership. We'll have to wait and see. And of course, Speed Weeks is always the memories. You were down there, like I said in the group text. I think there's no other track I go to more a year, or more in my career at Dirt on Dirt while working at Dirt on Dirt than down at Speed Weeks because we're just there for a month. And you go to like this year, I'll be at Volusia nine times. I ain't going to Eldora nine times in one year. I didn't even go to Fairbury nine times in one year. So you always build these great memories at racetracks. And one of my favorite memories at Volusia is just a bizarre one was the, you know, the fog out. We had that Tim McCready one where all of a sudden they're getting ready to start the feature. This fog starts rolling in. All of a sudden, there's a yellow, maybe a red flag, and it just comes in, and you cannot see. I'm in the infield. You cannot even see the grandstands. Then all of a sudden, they're trying to run pace laps to clear the fog, and they could not do it. People's helmets were getting wet. So they had to call the race. It's the only time I've ever seen a fog out was at Volusia. So that's uh, one of those fun racing memories. But, Todd, you've been going there several years. Uh, Any memories come to mind? It doesn't necessarily have to be at the racetrack. It could maybe be at Daytona. What comes to mind in Todd Turner's mind? Well, all my memories are at the racetrack, Derek. That's where I'll keep them, too. <laughs> and I haven't gone to Volusia back in the old, old days, but uh, my, my early memories are there are when the track that we now know as the dirt track was asphalt, and they built uh, another dirt track on the back property. Uh, and so you would go and watch. Uh, you could uh, get one ticket and go back and forth and watch uh, the races on both sides, which was fun. You know, you got to see uh, – Lots of different, uh, lots of different types of cars. Lots of different stars. Um, now the dirt track back there on the back part of the property was was not as good, not quite as exciting as the races and we've seen uh, in the last couple of years on the big track. But it was neat uh, back in that day to to see that. Although it seemed like they raced late into the night, and uh, I do like the improvement of. I, I feel like we get it uh, done a little bit earlier. One particular memory I have. Uh, uh, and this is, uh, I guess, 20, 21 or two years ago. Uh, and this was related to uh, the recent passing of C.J. Rayburn. Uh, so Jack Boggs, uh, in his last season racing, or actually the last time I saw him on the track uh, before he was tragically killed there, uh, he drove C.J.'s personal car uh, and won a consolation race. And I remember standing there at the fence with Ronnie Johnson watching the race. And, and Jack was kind of down on his luck back then, you know, kind of, 
uh, typical for CJ to, you know, call somebody up and put them in their car when they need a, need a ride or need some help. And I remember Boggs just like flying around the high side, uh, making some incredible passes to win a consolation race. And then uh, Ronnie, Ronnie was, uh, when I was talking to Ronnie Johnson later, he goes, man, I went over to Jack and he said, now that's the real Jack Boggs right there. That's the Jack Boggs I remember. And uh, looking back on that now with the ties to, of course, uh, Jack, uh, Jack being uh, long gone, and then CJ's recent passing. It was uh, a, a particular memory that really jumped out at me. Uh, a moment in Volusia that I'll never forget. Yeah, that's a that's a great memory there. And Robert, the only memory I have of you at Volusia was in the press box, and when your son would maybe was a sophomore and junior playing in the postseason, you were keeping me up to date on how their teams were doing. So you were being a Proud father, making sure he was getting those buckets and three-pointers and doing a great job reporting. So that's always a memory I have with you, and I'll always remember that because we love talking hoops, and that's what we did majority of the time during hot lap and qualifying, which we all know Evolution takes a long, long time. So what's a good memory that sticks out to you at the big half mile? I've got a couple memories of Volusia. One of the things that um, that just is funny that really stands out is, is, the, is a lot of times when I actually wasn't there, I remember my my parents used to go and leave me home all the time, and that's where I first started reading these magazines of uh, of um, the national, the you know, the trade papers. I guess you'd say they would bring them home, and I would just comb through them, and I just could not wait to get to go to. I was old enough to get to go down there myself, so they would always bring all the stuff home from Florida for their trips. So I would always know that hey, it's February, it's coming up, Speed Weeks is coming up, and I would look forward to the stuff that they would bring me. But then when I got older and was able to go, I remember going down there in um, 2001 for um, National Dirt Digest. And it's also funny that you mentioned the fog out because I was there at a race that got completely fogged out. I got over to the track. I was staying at Silver Springs, get over to the track, and, and we all know how damp and, and how the fog can roll in there and how damp and it can get there at night sometimes. And uh, it was getting worse and worse. And I remember drivers just kind of walking up the fence, and there's just no way they could race. And I remember looking at the fence, and it had it looked like it had, it was coming a thunderstorm. It had It had drops. Of, of water dripping off of the fence. I mean, it was huge drops like you would see in a rainstorm just pulling up and dripping. And I'm like, there's no way they can run this race. So, so Volusia for me also, uh, Derek, is also the only time that I've ever been fogged out, except we didn't get a single, we had to come back and run double features the next day they did. And so I came back and, and they ran two shows the, the very next day. And another memory that me and Todd laugh about from Volusia Everybody loves Volusia's ice cream, right? I'm sure there's anybody that loves it as much as Donnie Moran because I'm going to tell you, I was trying to interview, you know, and when I was younger, I was a person of very few words. So he's not the best person to interview anyone unless you really prepare good questions, not yes or no questions, you know, good questions that you can get answers from and, and you can kind of you know, navigate the interview and get through there and get what you need. Well, I was a pretty young guy there and 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 was interviewing him. Damn it if Donnie didn't have two ice cream cones. I mean, he was like, he was double dipping and, and it was dripping 
and I was trying to ask him questions. I couldn't concentrate. He couldn't concentrate. He, I, I, my questions sucked. His answers sucked. I think I might have got two things out of him, and I'm and, I, and it's all because of that. that I came down at down at which everybody absolutely loves. Which ironically, I have never ever had the ice cream at Volusia, nor have I ever had the strawberry shortcake at uh, over at East Bay. So um, you can't tell by looking at me, uh, but I've never had either of those two things. But those are those are just mem- I mean, I have some weird memories. And, and when it comes to races, we've all seen so many races there that I have to actually go back and look at my notes or my photos or, or actually pinpoint races that stand out. But it's a lot of times these oddball, quirky little things that happen, uh, you know, off the track that that really do kind of stand out for us. So when we go to these these races down at uh, down at Speed Weeks, and I thought the one person in this podcast today to bring up ice cream was going to be Kevin Kovac. I figured that'd be one of his favorite memories. But we know that he loves his sweets, he loves ice cream, and we know that you love Billy Pouch. So you can't bring up a memory of him. And you're not going to bring up playing catch with T-Mac in the parking lot. So other than that, you have a great history at this Central Florida racetrack. So what is one memory that sticks out to you? Is it the ocean deck? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. There's there's a many, many days at the down on the beach there uh, at some bars and everywhere uh, at Daytona with rainouts and all that. Those were, I mean, a lot, heck, back in the day, Derek, I mean, I, I, like I told you this before, when uh, when it was writing for a weekly newspaper, we didn't have to have a story done immediately after a race was over. So immediately after a race was over at Volusia, that's why we we're hoping it would end before 11 and we could leave and go downtown and we'd still be out. So it, it was a little different back then. But I was also young. I, I couldn't do that anymore. That wouldn't I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't be able to recover very well doing that stuff. I mean, there are so many things. I, first times I went to Volusia was back when I was a kid with my parents in 86 and 87. And I talked about that before for the big block modifieds. Uh, didn't didn't really know the late model guys, just really just barely at that point. Um, but I, one thing I do remember from those races, I'll never forget, like, I'm not sure if it was 86 or 87, but a camper out in the parking lot, right behind the grandstands, it burned to the ground in the middle of the parking lot during the races. Because I, 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 we sat in the front top row towards turn one. And everyone's just looking out here. This thing started burning, burn, and it like just was engulfed. And I mean, they were had to pull cars away and get cars away. That were it was just a camper in the in the midst of all the other cars. It wasn't like there was a camping area there. And this thing just burned to the ground. And the firemen were there. And I mean, I, I just never forget that. Uh, I mean, there's also all those other things. I mean, one of the main, one of the memories I always have at Volusia was that you went back into like the late 90s and into the 2000s. So I've been to every Volusia now since 98 when the big blocks, the big blocks didn't go there for a while, you know, but in 98 when they reopened the big track as a dirt track, I, I returned there. Uh, I remember seeing Todd Turner in the pits. That was my first time uh, seeing Todd, I believe, probably. You know, we'd be, I'd still write a, I'd write a story for every auto racing news about, uh, uh, about the late models also, and we'd end up coming together right at the winter or whatever, you know, so uh, I got to meet Todd just kind of walking through the pits like that, and I remember those asphalt and dirt days when you would go to the dirt track, and then you go over and see this, when it became the little track became the asphalt track. Uh, I remember I was sitting in those grandstands at 2.30 in the morning, I think it was, watching Super Modifieds, because they were still running after the dirt races were over. Uh, yeah, I remember Todd 
Tim McCready's first wins. He won his first late model races at uh, Volusia, you know, with a UMP car in one year and in the next year with the World of Outlaws. And and one big late model memory I'll always have is that Tim Senek, uh just rocket ship out. I mean, you could see probably Steve Gigas has the famous video. I think you probably go look it up and you see Tim Senek just when that's when they had 2003, four, five in that area. Senek just went in that corner, West Virginia driver. He goes into the third and fourth turn. The dirt's all built up to like a two rail steel guardrail. He just launched over that thing, went out. It, it looked like that car was taking off and going to the moon because it just went sailing into the air and it disappeared. You don't know where the thing went. I mean, and, and I recall going over uh, to check it out, like the aftermath and, and Senek, I mean, he was okay, fortunately, but the car landed in the woods uh, outside of turns three and four. There was, there wasn't, now there's more of a, of a access road there, which I think it might've uh, landed on if, if that was there now, but then it was basically just woods. And that year, the mod, big block modifieds were all parked on the old, the, the asphalt track, the small track had shut down. It wasn't running anymore. And so all the modifieds parked out there along that, that, uh, that asphalt track. And so that, Senek nearly got into the pit area there. That's how far he went. It was like kind of a gully in between the pits and the modified pits and the and the woods and stuff. And I went in there, man. There were so many branches and and pieces of uh, and leaves and everything. I'm like, man, th this is the craziest crash scene I've ever witnessed. And um, I mean, it was really fortunate that that he made it out of there uh, without being injured, man, because that thing was one heck of a ride that he took out into the, out into the darkness. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. Yeah. And it's on YouTube. Just type in Tim Sinek crash. And for those who haven't seen it, it is very crazy. Um, it's kind of absurd. Like you said, he's going to the moon right there. And one of my other favorite quick memories of the 2014, I think dirt car, yeah, 2014, we had Ivan and Lloyd win, Kenny Pettyjohn, Bloomquist, Casey Roberts, and a young Kyle Bronson. So I always remember 2014 with just this week of Volusia, one of my first time, my second year ever being there, just all these young, or, you know, mid-level, low, lower-name guys, young guys went in that week, and uh, a lot of upsets during that uh, first speed weeks. But plenty of memories as always. Oh, Robert, hand up. What do you got? You probably got a great memory of ice cream again. No, no, I just didn't want. I just didn't want to let this uh, little segment go by, uh, and, and Kevin's feelings be hurt because I did truly enjoy the the massage that he bought me a few years back at the gentleman's club, uh, just out of the blue. You know, uh, it was a rain out, and, uh, and 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 Suave, you were with us, and we had wound up at the ocean deck. And, uh, and it was, I was driving, I was, unfortunately that night, if you guys remember, I was the designated driver. So I'm pretty sure that everyone else had more fun than I did, but, uh, we left the ocean deck, uh, the three of us, along with a national championship driver that I will not name, who was in the back seat of the car with us. And, uh, we went uh, from the ocean deck down to, Oh heck, I can't I can't remember the if I can't remember if it was Grandview or it was it was a very of course a respectable you know Daytona Grandview yeah, Live that might have been it yeah <laughs> I think it was Grandview but you know a respectable gentleman's club and we had been there a few minutes and 
and uh, Kovac bought me a massage, probably as a reward for being the uh, the the designated driver that night. And I think I'm pretty sure that's also the night that uh, I think both Kovac and I was solicited to purchase cocaine uh, across the street at the pizza place. Uh, but uh, so so there are some memories, you know, away from the track that uh, I, I did not partake in the. Uh, the blow, by the way, uh, I, I steer clear of that. Uh, although I do have photos of the guy if anybody's looking for him. So, uh, so anyway, some memories away from the track. And I just didn't want to hurt Kevin's feelings and say, well, Robert didn't even mention the time I bought him a massage. <laughs> well, not nah, there you go. It was, I appreciate yeah, that it. That was the night. And, yeah, go yeah ahead. that was the go night ahead. that Derek dropped night, his right? big slice of pizza mm. on the floor too, right? So him and Strickler yes, were was. in there uh, ordering pizzas at the pizza place. So that was a night for sure. Okay, guys. First off, I think we said in the group chat, do not mention the big slice of pizza, but Kovac had to go there. No, I'm just kidding. Always a good time at Volusian. Like I said, this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the Sunshine Nationals, Volusia 1.0. But before we uh, let the people go, one more thing. Todd, we'll start with you. What do you got for us, buddy? Well, as I'm uh, updating the schedules for uh, the new season, occasionally we have uh, you know the occasional series that starts up or whatever. So uh, I went back and looked at the schedules or the series that we have created in the Dirt on Dirt database since Dirt on Dirt has been around, since it's 2007. So these are all series that have run at least one season of some sort uh, on uh, in the last 15 years. And you would not believe the number it is. 159 different series we have uh, followed results or put schedules up of. Obviously, many of those have come and gone during that time, but that is a big number. Uh, and some of us that complain about that there's too many series, uh, I would say we could definitely prune that number a little, little bit. I'm not sure exactly how many are active now. Probably about less than a third of that are active now, but 159 series of some sort in the last 15 years. It's pretty remarkable how many there have been. RIP to the Monster Midwest series. I know that was Todd's one of his favorite uh, series covering there, but it only lasted one or two years. But uh, Robert, we'll have you go next. What do you got, man, for one more thing? Well, you know, it's probably, um, I guess it is one more thing. It is uh, one more thing that we've, it's probably been beaten to death like a like a dead horse. But uh, it was really difficult week down at Talladega short track last week. Uh, I was uh, gone uh headed out west but um and that's a, a an event that i usually cover with uh michael um uh, not yeah, michael page has just dominated that race down there and of course it was just uh, a lot going on in, in a short amount of time down there and i kind of feel bad for everyone involved uh chris tilly as a as a uh, race director uh adam as a track owner and michael page as a driver because it was a bad situation for everyone involved uh, so, uh, so some shenanigans going down there at, at, uh, at Talladega short track with, uh, at, we're going to go forward now with Michael Page not being the champion. So when all of that kind of came out, you kind of realize, you kind of forget, well, somebody had to win the race. So I'll just give a shout out to Christian hanger who lives about 25 minutes from me, uh, here in middle Tennessee, who was declared the, the, uh, ice bowl champion uh it's a big win even though he didn't take the checkered flag first it was still a big win for christian hanger uh his name will be on on that list as as the winner of that race and uh you know if you look back to like 91 or something a lot of great guys have won that race 
and now Christian Hanger can say that his name's on the list as well. Is he officially dog the bounty hunter then? Does he get the bounty money too? I don't know. I'm going to say not probably that, uh, uh, that, you know, that he does not get that cash. I would uh, assume he does not. He might though. I don't know. Heck, but I would, I would say not. All right. Well, I know they had that bounty there for him. And yeah, I saw those results as well. So congrats to Christian and those guys down there. I'm going to go first, Kovac, because I'm afraid you might take it, but I don't know. Uh, shout out to Tyler Carpenter, who practiced an ARCA card at Daytona this past weekend. Um, he did wear uh, his regular racing shoes. He did not wear the dudes. I think ARCA and NASCAR is probably not as lenient maybe as they are at the Dome. So uh, he uh, did some practicing down at Daytona, and he practiced 50th out of 62, his first time ever in a, you know an asphalt car. There at Daytona, I don't care how good he practiced, he got to run a car, an ARCA car, at Daytona. So I think that's badass, I think. Everybody in this room, everybody in racing, if they have the chance to, you know, even run in a practice session at Daytona, they're going to get the chance to do that. So shout out to him. And I know he has that truck ride next year at Knoxville. So maybe he's going to dabble himself in a little more asphalt world this coming up after that practice. So I thought that was pretty cool. That was uh, my one more thing. So Kovac, what do you got? Uh, Just uh, related to Volusia this weekend. I have a welcome back. Dale McDowell will be back in action. He's planning to be there. Uh, Remember he had a, uh, sat out a little bit at the end of the last year because he would underwent prostate cancer surgery and that was successful and he's ready to go again this year. And uh, so it would be pretty cool if, uh, if Dale could uh, knock off one of a, a win, you know, either in this Volusia or Volusia 2.0 next month. Uh, that'd be a pretty neat deal uh, after coming off that surgery and, and returning to racing now. So welcome back to, to Dale this weekend. Yeah, the Mac Daddy's always a staple at Volusia no matter what. He's always going to run those races. He was there last year. That'd be nice to see him get a big victory. And glad he's doing better and is able to race. So shout out to the Mac Daddy, Dale McDowell. That's a good one. Kovac, well, everybody, another great episode. Thanks for everybody listening in. We will be back next week on Wednesday. We'll be talking about Volusia 1.0. And then we'll be previewing, I guess, is what Rigsby calls it, through the uh, traditional speed weeks, Georgia, Florida speed weeks, as we kick off Golden Isles, and then it'll just be a full month of crazy racing. I cannot wait. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.